welcome to another episode of Doctor Me First. I'm so glad to be recording live conversations in my upstairs office with my little reading nook. Catherine and I hung some lights up. I got all my sassy signs that say, let them be mad. Their opinions don't pay the fucking bills. All the things. So I am sitting in everything glorious and having conversation with a now friend, but initially she was a listener of the podcast. Then I invited her into PCA, Physician Coaching Alliance, and then I challenged her to come on my podcast and she followed through after I double dog deered her. So I'm so excited to introduce you to Dr. Amna Shabir. She's going to tell you about her experience. She's going to tell about the moment that she found me. And it's just an overall wonderful conversation. Come and join me. So here we go. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Erin. I'm so happy to be here. I know. It seems like a long time coming. There was a whole journey before we actually like met through the magic of email. That is true. It was a, a moment of reflection where I was sitting in my workroom feeling extremely overwhelmed and burnt out and typing in physician burnout in Google and, and hoping and praying that something will, will happen. And actually it did From the power of Google, your website popped up and I saw this wonderful picture of you that was so welcoming and everything that was not what I was experiencing where I was working. So I clicked on it and fast forward, I actually started listening to Burnout to Badass first and I would always get very disappointed when the season would finish. And then I, of course, found Dr. Me first and it was just this bulk consumption of all this amazing conversations that you had with phenomenal individuals, which at that time where I was feeling very much like a failure, very much isolated and very impostery, exhausted and overwhelmed, just listening to all of this. And now this is before I even contacted you at all. Just by listening, I felt, I started to feel, dare I say, a little bit normal, a little less weird, whatever that would mean more connected, definitely more connected. So I I would say it was Kismet. I am so glad to be here. Mm, friend, I am so glad that the magic of the internet brought me to you. It's been amazing over the years. More and more, there's been people like if I go do speaking events or like, you know, traveling around and they'll be like, oh my God, you're Aaron Wiseman. I'm like, yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> And to to hear the stories like this, that I got to hang out with you in your car or when you were on walks or it just really fills my heart. And I'm so, so glad that you found my resources. And I'm even more glad that you reached out to me. So how long had you been a listener before you actually contacted me? I had been listening to your podcast for about one and a half year. Oh, my so God. You, you were with me. You were with me during that whole time in my ear. And when I was having conversations with other colleagues, when I found you, I wasn't attending at that time. And then I transitioned back into fellowship for geriatrics. I love taking care of older adults. So at that time, I then started sending pretty much every episode to my other like co-fellows. And I think they all, they don't all know you pretty well by now. 
because I, I kept saying, this is what you need to listen to. No, no, no. This is what you need. And so it was that long before I had that courage to reach out directly, I would say. But those those moments in the car and my walks and, and especially the mornings, Aaron, they were really hard, you know, before rounds and when I'm listening to you at like 5 or 6 a.m. And, and at that time, I was pretty crisp with burnout. So it, it was it was the support that meant so much to me. And that's what makes it worth it. Thank you so much, friend. And if there's other people listening out there, I want you to t- tell them I am a real person. I sound the same in real life <laughs> as on the podcast. Are you going to be able to come to the PCA retreat in September? I am going to be attending virtually this virtually? time. Virtually, Okay. Yes. Well, when you get in person, I have the best Aaron Wiseman hugs. So we'll have to make Can't sure wait. that we have that. That happens. But let's talk a little bit. Let's do this. Tell me what you're doing now and the magic you're putting into the world. And then we'll rewind and reflect on your journey. How does that sound? Sounds good to me. Yeah. All right. So, so we're fast forwarding to now. What are you doing now? Finish with fellowship doing a whole bunch of fun things. Tell us all about it. Yeah. So I am an integrative wellness and life coach for busy healthcare workers, especially medical trainees. I'm also a practicing geriatrician internist. I care for older adults in the post-acute long-term care space, aka nursing homes. And outside of medicine, I am spending fun time with my two little vivacious girls. They're four and six years old and uh, having fun with my husband. He's a solar entrepreneur and we're based in North Carolina. I love it. I love all things about it. Okay. So let's reflect back on your journey. So we're going to like rewind the movie. Start me back. Now you're an IMG. And I think that's really important to point out, like we talked about before we hopped on the recording, is that IMG physicians experience burnout in some different ways, for sure, because there is some definite additional barriers that you guys have to go under, around, through all the things to get kind of the like the notoriety and the certification of a quote unquote, traditional US trained uh, physician. So so start me back there. And also talk a little bit about your back your background too. Yeah, so I am a South Asian female, proudly. I'm originally from Pakistan. I went to medical school at the Aga Khan University. And after med school and during med school too, I had rotations. I did research at uh, Mass General. And I came, I also went to UCLA for electives did a sub-I there, and eventually made my journey to U.S. So that was a completely interesting process. And you're right, Erin, we don't talk about IMGs enough. And I am encouraged to see that now we're actually changing those conversations. So about 25% of active physicians right now in the U.S. are international medical graduates from variety of backgrounds, and they bring so much richness and culture and diversity to the medical field. They are an extremely dedicated and hardworking group of individuals. They have traveled far and wide. They have moved here and and to get, you know, to their benefit as well, training at great institutes. Afterwards, IMGs end up serving in primarily underserved areas. They are also 
the largest uh, popula- the largest population of physicians caring for older adults, so geriatricians, about half of them are IMGs. So they're really caring for vulnerable individuals in the U.S. But I always worry, and I have seen myself. People go through a variety of journeys, my friends, colleagues, which were really difficult. And I really want to take a, a minute and, and pause and, and honor them. So for myself, I did apply for a visa initially. It was an H-1B visa when I was going to start my residency program. But I was lucky enough that I had a parallel process going with my husband. And so I ended up getting the green card during my residency. And I didn't have to go through further program for visa applications, et cetera, during this time. Now, some of my friends I know that have gone through a lot of trials and tribulations with visa, especially J-1 waiver visa, where they have to then either return to their home country or work in underserved areas in the U.S. Now, as far as work goes, these are all extremely hardworking individuals. That's that's not a problem. It's it's a twofold thing. So one is the system that they're working in might be rural areas. You already know that there's not resources there. Erin, <laughs> you know more than anyone. Oh, lady, I know. I know. <laughs> when it's 15 months to get into a specialist, I know. Exactly. So, and then they're also worried about the repercussions if they were to advocate for themselves, if they were being, I think exploited might be a harsh word, but unfairly dealt. I think it's true, though. I think exploited isn't exactly true word. I mean, IMGs are tenacious as fuck. Let's be honest. Like, that needs to be the Instagram post for this podcast. I mean, and they're going into stressful work situations in areas that already have implicit bias because they are not white, primarily English speaking and don't say (laughs) y'all. Right. And then into work situations where if I ruffle feathers, am am I going to be uprooted and thrown out of the country? Exactly. You've, you've said it in a nutshell because then you're just tolerating and the, the amount that you can tolerate is, is so vast. Sometimes I feel that there is an ocean of tolerations that I see my friends and colleagues that they just take in they, because they do not want anything to mess with their visa process. So slap on extra call, no problem. Underpay, no problem. And really, that is more of the sy- systematic issue that I see. In, in the organizations. And then there's individual issues about things that are happening at home. So I talk about caring for medical trainees a lot. And so when we have the last stat I saw in 2021, there were about 22.9% of the uh, students or and trainees in ACGME programs who are actually IMGs. They have their own unique batch of issues that are happening at home, going from some iteration of maybe culture shock to when we get vacation, can we actually go back home if you're getting one week off? And and it doesn't just stop in training, it's afterwards as well. So I am an American citizen right now and was when I started my employment. But between 2018 and 2022, I only went once to Pakistan to visit family. And there were a lot of funerals that were missed, a lot of people that were buried, and I couldn't attend, including my including my maternal grandfather, who I was very close to. And and that weighs on you. So when we talk about physician wellness and burnout, these are just realities. Now, do I want somebody 
to up and change the entire system? Maybe, but but the point is really to just recognize that that learner that's working with you or that physician that's working in your office has has a different kind of setup at home. You can't call the grandparents to come and babysit your kids. They are sometimes oceans away and and physically can't travel. Yeah. And and I think another part that I think about having worked with IMG students when I was faculty at a family medicine program was the cultural expectations. I talked with several of them about, you know, they questioned, is medicine right for me? And using their words, it was like I was either expected to be a lawyer, a doctor, or in technology. Yeah. You what summed can it you up speak and- to that? <laughs> I don't want to play too much into stereotypes, but um, you know, I'm a, I'm as as I mentioned, I'm doing coaching right now. I I told my mom that I wanted to do something on those lines when I was actually 13 years old. Coaching didn't have a word at that time, especially where I was. And my mom was like, "Well, what is that? You're becoming a physician, and then we'll talk about everything else later. You can do whatever else you want at that time." Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and it's not just your mother. It's 20 generations before her of like, and this is how we become successful as a family, where I think in native born US, my, my dad encouraged me, he was really happy about it. But like, when I was really burned out, and I said, like, I'm quitting medicine, there were all the emotions, but I don't think I felt the same extent as my Southeast Asian friends when they talk about their burnout with their family, and even many of them don't even talk about it, because it just would not be a welcoming conversation. And so I think for me as a coach, when I've coached people in that background setting, I have to continually to remind myself that I can be empathetic, but I really don't know. I really have to like sit in the space as a coach and hold them and hold the safety because the cultural aspect is so heavy. Yes, yes. You you really hit the nail on the head with this one. Um, just the recognition that everyone has a very rich and diverse background, and just you know, just people who identify as South Asian. There there is so much diversity among those individuals from all cultures, religions ethnicities in in conversations you know so the way people perceive their culture is so variable as well and it's that second thing that you said it's so hard to actually ask for help and i'll give you an example from my personal life i suffered from postpartum depression both times and i think i think there was a mixture of anxiety and depression there as i reflect back and i recently wrote about it publicly and published an article about it and um I didn't share with my parents that I was actually taking a medication. And when they landed in U.S. to visit me for the summer, I sent them the article, had them read it first. And that's how I shared it with them. Um, I was so scared. I was so worried at what they're going to say or feel that, oh, we have failed, that our daughter felt this way. Like they would probably take the failure very personally as well. But I was so blown away by their reaction. They were so happy that I actually opened the conversation surrounding mental health and I shared what I went through, which led me to question my own biases. Like, you know, we talk about biases and that was my own bias that I did not want my parents to feel that way. I think there another example that comes to my mind is when I was leaving academic medicine and a large academic institute, 
I went through a grieving process of many sorts. And one of them, one of the, the, the main issues in that time was that maybe I am letting my parents down by going part-time as I'm working right now by uh, taking a sabbatical in the middle because, well, what is that? Are you going to do nothing? Like, is that is that what you're going to do at that time? And why are you doing this right now where you could be a professor, an associate professor somewhere down the, the down the road, like, which is, which is considered way more noble. So that was a lot of things that I had to go through internally. Lady, you did your homework from listening to the podcast. You changed to part-time, you did a sabbatical. I'm so proud of you. I didn't know those things. But you're absolutely right. We get these thoughts of like, what will our parents think? What will XYZ person think? And we make this whole narrative around it. And that in turn traps us because we think what our parents will think if we do this thing, when instead, sometimes it's just opening up and having that hard conversation and knowing like, I can't control what my mom and dad, grandparents, important people in my life think about this, but I at least need them to know so that you can kind of shatter those converse, (laughs) those internal conversations that we all have with ourselves, but we're not schizophrenic. Because I mean, that was a part of my thing too, is like, if I change my trajectory where I said I was always going to be like a hometown doctor, like Dr. Quinn, medicine woman, and I don't do this, you know, that insert all the thoughts after that. And so, and another thing I want to point out, you hit it on the head. I talk about it in multiple podcasts. There is a grieving process with change. You know, you go through all the the, the stages of grief, denial, depression, bargaining, anger, you might get to acceptance, but then you're going to filter through all those things again. <laughs> oh, yeah. All the things. You know, one other thing I want to put onto this is many IMG physicians also throw on another layer of parenthood. You want to talk about that a little bit when you added your little human creatures into the mix? Yes. So... Yeah, creature one came in second year of residency, and uh, I was having a tough time medically at that time. Uh, got diagnosed with something as soon as I found out I was pregnant, so I had to break the news to my physician parents across uh, many, you know, across the globe. So just having that conversation, first of all, sharing my diagnosis and um, with them was was challenging. So here's what I did. I got dressed really nice, turned on the camera and showed, tried to show them that I am okay, you know, and my friend flew in <laughs> from, uh, from out of state and just to show them that, yes, I do have support and I, and I made it, but it was, it was rough. And thankfully my daughter is okay. I'm okay. But uh, Parents, when they come in to help you, grandparents, especially at that time, and we're lucky, we're lucky and we're, I am privileged that they were able to fly in both my parents and my um, in-laws to come and help us in those times. They're there, but then, then they leave, you know, it's like bolus help in the start and then, and then it's gone. So it's, it's hard, especially, you know, there's no help with date nights, pick up all those things. And, and those are more frivolous things. Like I know, Aaron, you're going to, cut me off there but really when i felt the the most um vulnerable with with parenting situations was when the pandemic hit and then when i was a fellow and there was a a month in which 
the daycare closed so many times, I felt that I could not finish fellowship. And of course, I had to meet my clinical requirements. So then I was very creative and asked one of my neighbors to help out, you know, and and, and I did, you know, we're we're trained to be resilient, creative individuals as physicians. So I was able to manage that. But that village that sometimes we can take for granted, I had to create it from scratch. And I'm so glad that I did. And I'm grateful for all the people here. But that parenthood does get complicated when you don't have relatives living locally. Absolutely. I work regularly with residents. And and right now, that is a huge factor is who is caring for my children when it can't be me? And it's dealing with the guilt about it, but it's also dealing with the the logistics like of like my spouse is exhausted and we have small children. And then when I come home, they like throw them at me and, and can we afford to add in-home daycare and <sighs> small children and fellowship during COVID lady, you need a fucking trophy for that because- <laughs> It's serious. I mean, it. it's, it was, I took a leave during that because there was no way I could homeschool, deal with the preschooler, practice medicine, you know, all of our thoughts about like, are we all going to die during this pandemic? Like, it was just really scary. And I think we're still feeling the ripple effects for that. And I think it really showed the US economy to how very vital mothers are and how very sucky childcare options are here in the US. Very much so. And fragile, you know, because I felt I, I couldn't get anybody, I couldn't get a babysitter to commit. I couldn't get a nanny to commit. I ended up switching daycares and, you, you know, and ultimately praying for miracles and they worked. So when the pandemic initially hit, I was practicing as a primary care physician at that time. And that had its own unique challenges. And I transitioned into fellowship during the pandemic, which was interesting in and of itself. You're absolutely right. So I, I wish that we would just recognize that. I think that just the recognition is huge because when I was when I was an attending, I still could not. And I am an attending U.S. citizen, basically an IMG. But at that time, you would think that, oh, she's resourceful now. And I'm trying to get some leave approved to go visit my family, my ailing grandparents, and it was so difficult. I mean, ultimately it was approved, but it was like literally boulder uphill because of the number of emails and number of talks that I had to have in detailing how long flights are from U.S. to Pakistan. I mean, it was it was just too much. Yeah, you can Google that shit. Why do you have? <laughs> Why do you have to keep telling them these things? But no, friend, for for those who are out there listening and are in a similar situation that you were in before, what words do you have to give to them? The first recognition, Erin, is that whoever is listening to this, please know what you're experiencing is normal. You are you are normally experiencing these experiences. You are not, you know, different. You are not wrong. You you're are not, not broken. You're not broken. Thank you. Insert word there. Um, and so, so really it's okay. If you are feeling like, you are being manipulated at your work, you probably are. So do not invalidate your internal emotions, your intuition, lean into that, understand that, and know that there are organizations out there that do support IMGs, such as the American Medical Association. Uh, they started IMG Recognition Week. They have an um, IMG toolkit. 
reach out their resources. Reach out to me. I'm happy to chat to, with anyone uh, that is going through situations in which they feel that they're not being fairly dealt at work. And then the second part is, is really how much of what you're experiencing the truth and how much of that is is a story that's you know going in your head so challenge challenge your stories and challenge the narratives that you're sharing with yourself and reach out because so much can happen once you connect with other individuals so connection i would say is the key recognizing and connecting absolutely and then smear on a good icing layer of self-compassion oh always always so important all right talk a little bit about your work because I want to promote the hell out of you because anybody that Googles me, I am always going to lift up to the mountains and be like, go girl, go. Thank you, Erin. Well, 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 I first want to put in a plug for Physician Coaching Alliance because it has been wonderful since I joined and I started my coaching journey. And when I was exploring on my, you know, to become a coach, what to do. It has been an absolute godsend. I have connected with amazing colleagues and uh, people that are really moving the needle towards physician wellness and true physician advocacy, like what really matters. So for anyone who's thinking off, you know, coaching and as a physician, they just need to be on Physician Coaching Alliance, period. As far as I go, I am practicing, as I mentioned earlier, integrative wellness and life coaching. I like to combine both of these approaches and create a unique experience for healthcare workers. And right now I'm running a special for all our amazing, incredible doctors that are starting this year in residency, the interns, to help them transition like a boss in residency. So whenever this this is aired, please just reach out to me. I'm already, those sessions are extremely discounted. They're one-to-one. They're targeted to you. Just reach out to me. You can find me on Instagram at dr.amnashabir. And you can also find my website, dramnashabir.com. And just reach out to me. I'm, I'm really here to help move the needle towards phys- true physician wellness. There's, you know, this connection has been everything to me for succeeding and for feeling whole and fulfilled right now and where I am and continuing to find the joy in medicine because there was a time, Erin, I wanted to just leave altogether everything and I'm not doing that right now. I'm loving coaching and I am loving medicine. There's nothing better than taking care of older adults in nursing homes. Isn't it so awesome to be able to dance after the storm? It truly is. I mean, there's still, I still feel it. There's a lot of healing and recovery and rest that must take place in my life. But to be able to say, I can, I can be happy, I can be content, I can want to get up to go to work is, is just absolutely phenomenal. And I'm so glad that you found this. I'm so glad that I got to be a part of your story. And that yeah, that you hang out with me. Amna is one of the PCA mentees. So that means that we meet, we talk, I issue double dog challenges and they do them like getting your Instagram up, getting your website up, asking for help, coming on the podcast, all the things that seem too big and too impossible. And then you do it and you're like, holy shit, Aaron was right. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Well, friend, the badass in me totally honors the badass in you. Thank you, Aaron.
Hey there, I got some really important stuff to share with you. Besides developing Dr. Me First over the last, I don't know, I think it's like seven or eight years now, and Burnt Out to Badass, which is a little bit newer, it's been going on for about three to four years, I've actually been developing another business kind of on the side, and a lot of you folks are surprised when you hear about it. It's called Physician Coaching Alliance, and it does a lot of amazing things. First of all, if you're a chief wellness officer or you want to see more wellness in your organization, hospital, medical group, residency program, etc., Physician Coaching Alliance is your answer. We do consulting and coaching within organizations to bring better wellness into the healthcare space. So you need to go over to the website, physiciancoachingalliance.com, drop me an email with the organization, who I contact, who I talk to, and we can come in and help your institution. The other part of Physician Coaching Alliance is for those who are looking for a personal coach. Of course, I would love to be your coach, but I also know that I'm not everybody's well, taste and spicy sauce, let's put it that way. So there we have a menu of over 70 coaches who specialize in so many different things, who come from different parts of medicine. Some people are in medicine, some people are out of medicine, some people are hybrid. It's just an amazing group of an eclectic amount of skills and personalities. I'm sure you can find your next coach there. So again, same website, physiciancoachingalliance.com. And lastly, if you are a coach and you're tired of going in alone, maybe you're in a slump, maybe you just want to be around other physician coaches who are willing to give and are over the hustle culture and not about competing with each other, but knowing that how we heal healthcare is better together, then also Physician Coaching Alliance is the place for you. PCA fulfills so many of these needs and more. It's all on the same website, physiciancoachingalliance.com. You can hang out with us on LinkedIn and on Instagram by the exact same name, physiciancoachingalliance.com. Yep, I've been busy. running multiple companies, practicing medicine, taking care of alpacas. But you know what? It is my heart and joy to do this. And I hope that PCA can become a part of your story too.
and heavy lids. Run. 